Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to our weekly broadcast of our live worship services coming to you from the Great Smoky Mountains in eastern Tennessee in the great United States of America from the tribe of Manasseh to you in Africa, Asia, Australia, Korea, Zimbabwe, Algeria, Jamaica, and all across the world with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord for this gospel of the kingdom that God has given us. God is so good. Happy seventh day. Praise the Lord. We'll try to give more people time to connect to the internet and over the phone lines. Praise the Lord. We'll put on some worship music here in a second. Time to worship. Time to get our minds on the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Glory to your name, Jesus. Glory to your 
What does that term mean? It means that the Bible says that there should be the early rains and the latter rains. In other words, the early agent odor previous pouring forth of the Holy Ghost upon the disciples, upon the first century church, upon the 3,000 people that was baptized on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. But then there is also the latter rains of our day and our time and the seals to come and the trumpets to come when there shall be a great outpouring of his spirit upon much flesh. Amen. Even your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and dream dreams. Amen. We are entering that time. If you want to be part of it, raise your hands to the sky if you're thirsty and dry. It's beginning to rain. He's beginning to increase the church. You see it even this week. He's beginning to work with more and more people. We see it these last few weeks, these last few months, these past couple of years. He's calling more people to himself. He's revealing himself. He's revealing the mysteries. He's opening the book up to our understanding. Amen. He's pouring out more of his Holy Ghost upon more and more flesh. It's beginning to rain. You need to get your feet wet. Amen. You got to take your socks off sometimes. Amen. Don't be so stiff-footed. Amen. Praise God. Oh, I want to see him. I want to see him. Page 11. Amen. Praise the Lord.
Let's see. Probably got another copy of that one around here, maybe. Oh. Try this one. That's page 11. This is right here. Start over.
It is allowing and helping and provoking God's spirit to feel welcome and to allow him to lead through his spirit. He leads through his spirit, and his spirit moves more freely in the midst of worship. Walk around me, Lord. Walk around my bedside, Lord. Walk around my campsite, Lord. When you sing to God, when you worship God, it invites him to walk in your midst, to move in your midst. But if you say, here's a roadblock, here's a roadblock, don't move here, don't move there, then you stifle God and you put out those roadblocks and you block him, he's no longer welcome. And the flow stops, the music stops, the worship stops, because we don't allow the Spirit of God to move through the leadership. Let's do page 21, if I can get this CD working. Oh, I don't think I've recorded that one yet. I got my new CDs. A few more songs we gotta add to this book too. We need to work on that. So much more work that we still got to do. Let's see what this next one is. I That he gave to me 
Turn to the book of Isaiah. I know that it's easy to condemn me, judge me, and condemn me, but you're not where I am. You're not where I've been for these last two years. People have no idea of the hell that I have lived with for the last two years. Isaiah chapter 8. Jesus, that's where I open to. Great. Praise the Lord. Robert didn't even know what chapter I was going to, but he opened to Isaiah 8. Because the Spirit of God knows what he has given me. The Spirit of God moves and speaks and leads and directs but we have to we have to listen and obey his voice amen lord heavenly father thank you lord for this message thank you for your movement we ask lord that everybody would come into alignment with your spirit your voice and your leadership in Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. In Isaiah 8, verse 5. 
Again, the Lord or Jesus spoke to me. He spoke to me yet again, saying, Because this people chooses not the water of Shiloh that goes softly, but wills to have Raisin and the son of Ramanus to be king over you. Therefore, behold, the Lord brings up upon you the water of the river, strong and abundant, even the king of the Assyrians and his glory. And he shall come up over every valley of yours and shall walk over every wall of yours. Page 10 in the book of Prophets. You're not supposed to be looking at anything else. You're supposed to be looking at this chapter. Did I say find a random piece of paper to look at? No. Then look in the Bible. Uh, there are eight right here. It says here in verse six that the people chooses not the water of Shiloh that goes soft. And in verse 7, I bring upon you the water of the river strong and abundant, the king of Assyria coming up, flowing over the banks of the river. So in other words, if we apply this to what's happening right here, right now in this building today, and all across the world, people claim that they want a soft voice. People claim that they want a soft voice tender, loving, gentle voice. That is people's preference. They don't want to be screamed at, hollered at. They want it to be treated gently and softly and with love and compassion. But this verse says you have rejected that. At first, God did try to plead with us softly, gently, and tenderly. But then he loses his patience when we keep saying, no, I'm not going to trust you, God. I'm not going to trust that you're going to provide, that you're going to heal, that you're going to deliver, that you're going to give me peace, that you're going to help me, that you're going to protect me. We get our attention all from God and get it on everything else. Lose our focus, lose our attention. We get it on sports, movies, TV, novels, spoon-fed devotions. Worries and fears and anxieties, finances, whatever. And we stop listening to the voice of God. We stop paying attention to that tender voice. And yet God still wants your attention. God still demands your attention. God still wants you to say, I mean, God still wants you to look at him and listen to him and obey him and follow him. But he sees you going astray. He has to lift his voice as he sees you headed toward the cliff, toward destruction. He has to raise his voice. And because we have rejected the soft and tender voice, the gentle waters, he brings forth the raging anger and the tempests of the floods and the hurricanes and the tornadoes. At first, he sends the prophet saying, 
Leave the cities. Leave the coastlines. Get out of the urban areas. But the people reject that voice of God, and they say, no, I want to be here. I want to stay here. This is my home. This is where I was raised. I got a job here. I got family here, whatever. And God's voice gets louder. He sends the next prophet that speaks louder and blows the trumpet louder. And the poet people say, no, I still won't leave. I'll just rebuild my house. I'll just rebuild the city. God sends the next hurricane, even more fierce. And a prophet with a more fierce blowing of the trumpet, a more fierce voice. The people still, I just rebuilt. Until finally, the wrath of the Lord comes in full vintage. Because every time God pleaded with us to return to him and to do and go wherever we are supposed to go by his leadership, it's natural that the Father would get angry not God's fault he's coming back in anger. It's the people's fault. I'm sure that Jesus would rather come back in tenderness. But the reality is the world is full and overflowing with stubbornness, resisting the hand of God. We see in the Bible, it says, even during those last seven plagues, as he's pouring out the seven vows on the last seven plagues in that final 41 and a half days wrath, that it says they repented not of their worship of devils, statues, and stone. In other words, they could have repented, but they didn't. But the point of that spanking is to try to get the people to repent. God doesn't spank because he likes spanking. Amen. God does not like spanking. Neither do I. I don't like having to lift my voice out of anger. But when people are consistently, endlessly disobedient and rebellious, then I have to raise my voice. And God is the same way. Amen. And finally, he brings the king of Assyria, says, verse 7 and 8, verse 7, I bring upon you the water of the river, strong and abundant, the, the, the raging waters, the loud waters, even the king of the Assyrians, his glory. Amen. But God first pleads with us. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. Look at Romans chapter 7. Romans 
And I love Romans 7 and Romans 8. In fact, let's start with Romans 6 because it's tied together in a way that I've never really comprehended before. But yesterday and today, I'm really comprehending how Romans 6, 7, and 8, of course. There's originally no chapter divisions. Originally no chapter division. Now, Romans 6 is what I read most of the time when I baptize people. Almost everybody listening was baptized in with the Romans 6 as what we read together when he was baptized. Romans 6, verse 1. What we say, what should we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been immersed, baptized in Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too. So we too might walk in newness of life. God wants us to walk in newness of life. That means not living in the past. Amen. When we are baptized, we die. We're buried. We're crucified in Christ. And we are resurrected in Christ with a new life, a new birthday, a new person. The old is gone, the new has come. We change our lives. Sometimes it's what music we listen to, what movies, where we go, the type of people we hang out with. We become new people, new people. We were dogs. But now we are a people, a royal people, queens and kings, royalty. Amen. As new people, we don't live in the old self. We don't even celebrate the birth of that old self. That old self died. We don't go back to that life. We don't look back like Lot's wife. Amen. We got to walk forward, not backwards. We got to walk in newness of life. And whether we're talking about at baptism or from a holy day or from any point in your life that you convert over to believing and committing to Jesus Christ. Amen. At any point of your life, with or without baptism, a moment that you make that decision that you're going to follow him, obey him, and surrender all. You're going to follow him. And that would include baptism, of course. Amen. But at any point of your life that you commit to Jesus Christ and commit more and pour yourself out to him as a drink offering, a living sacrifice. The Bible says to make yourself a living sacrifice. We pour ourselves out to him. And we're crucified as an offering unto the Lord. Amen. We got to crucify our old self. We don't want to go back to the old self, even if the old self was pretty decent. 
We still don't want to go back to that one. Don't look back. Look forward. We are seeking a future. We are seeking a kingdom to come. We're not seeking a previous place we used to live, a previous life we used to live, previous girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, mistakes. Not living in the past, but living in the future. Because God leads us forward, not backwards. God leads us only forward. Amen. And it says, verse 5, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified. We died. In order that our body of sin might be done away with. That body of sin is not really our flesh at all. Is it? We don't literally physically die. So what's that body of sin? It's not really talking about the flesh at all. It's talking about our old way, our old way of thinking, anxiety, pride, vanity, depression, worries and fears that we claim for our own. Our own way of life, that so-called tree of knowledge of good and evil, choosing for ourselves where to walk, where to go where to live, what to do, go to college, get an education, and then get a nowhere's job. But rather, we commit ourselves to the Lord that we, in order that our body of sin might be done away with that, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. But he who has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. Live with him. Life. Have life. Life. Why be a dead dog? Why be people that is not even a people? Why be like the beasts of the earth without a mind to serve the Lord? We're special, different from the animals. We are God's masterpiece over and above. Every animal, every species, over and above the stones, over and above the stars. We are God's masterpiece. We're God's beloved. Amen. We are God's woman. Amen. He wants to hug us tight. But if he wants to hug us tight and we're like, oh, get away from me, then he's going to get mad. He's going to get angry. He wants to draw close to us gently and tenderly. But if we're like, no, I don't want to move over there. I want to stay in my spot I feel comfortable. I want to be in my comfort zone. I want to be in my corner. I want to be on the back bench. We've got to move up in life. Stop hiding in the shadows. And get up there. Closer to the front row. Get in there full force, serving the Lord with gun hold, with passion, with zeal, teasing the kingdom, grabbing the, the horns of the altar. There's reason why there's horns of the altar. 
something to grab onto, to seize it with. Amen. If the altar of God is escaping you, lasso it. Grab onto it. Seize it. Amen. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. We should not allow the things of this world to dominate us, to control us. Sinfulness, pride, vanity, anxiety, fear, cigarettes, drugs, girlfriends. We should not allow death and sin and wickedness and the things of this world to dominate and control our mind, our hearts, our bodies. We should not be slaves to sin. Amen. And no man should be a slave to a woman. Amen. God is good. Paul is telling the Romans to live as a new person in Christ Jesus. Let go of the past. Let go of your sin. Accept Jesus. Jesus will change your life. Think of how Paul used to be anti-Christ. He used to hate the church, persecute the church, and thought that Jesus was a false prophet. But God changed his life. Amen. And Paul could have spent the rest of his life in misery, thinking about all the bad he had done, a lot of evil. He had done a lot of evil. He could have sat and moped in his tent and cried his eyes and heart out every day and just, woe is me. Woe, doom and despair. Woe is me. I'm so guilty. I'm so evil. I'm so bad. I want to wash my hands, ritual washing. I've got to wash. I'm dirty. I'm filthy. I've got to wash, wash. I've got to scrub my face. I stink. I smell with sin and wickedness. That could have been the rest of his life. We would have never heard of him. We could, would have never heard of him. We would have never had these testimonies of how to change our lives. Amen. Because he would not have changed his life. If he had, if he had acted like that, his life would have not have changed. Amen. He would not have become a pastor, an apostle, and a prophet. He would not have become a leader. He would not have seized the kingdom, but rather he would have lost the kingdom. Amen. Even though he did keep the seventh day and the holy days, he still would have lost his race. He would have lost the fight. He would have lost the race. If he had just wallowed around in his misery and returned back to his vomit, lived in the past because of his guilt. But instead, he accepted what Christ did, that Christ is the Passover lamb of God, that Christ died for us so that we don't have to live in our guilt anymore. 
that the verdict of a death sentence was nailed to the cross. That we don't have to hear the Lord say, you're guilty, because our guilt had been washed away by the gentle love of Jesus Christ. That we were baptized and washed by the blood of Jesus and sealed by the name of Jesus and filled with the Holy Ghost without pain, without suffering. We even died without pain, without suffering. We came back to life without pain and without suffering because we accept the gentle voice of God. We accept the loving hand of God and his leadership. We don't have to wallow in our misery. All we have to do is, is accept that God's love and his mercy and his grace is greater than anything Paul ever did, than anything that I ever did in my past, anything you ever did in your past. No person's sin is greater than God. When you think that your sin is so great that God won't forgive you, then you're making your sin out to be God. You're either going to live the rest of your life as a slave to your past, or you can choose this day to serve the Lord in gladness, in newness of life, in resurrection, in a life of joy and peace, knowing that Jesus paid the penalty for you. It's a penalty we can't afford. We cannot afford it. So the bride says, come. And, and we receive the, the water of life gently, that water of life, eternal life, the fountains of water that cleanses and purifies and nourishes you. Come receive it without money. Because God paid the price. That was a high price to pay. But thank God we don't have to pay it. We just have to accept it, that it was paid for us. Amen. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, purchased by the blood of Jesus. We are ransomed out of bondage to the devil. We are let go from the devil by the ransom price paid by Jesus Christ. We don't have to be found in a bargain basement sale because we are not cheap. We was paid for by the precious and valuable priceless blood of Jesus Christ. We don't have to be found in a bargain basement cell because we are more valuable. We are royalty. We're kings and queens of the kingdom of God. We are the apple of his eye. We are his woman. We are his bride. He wants to feed us and nourish us and give us beautiful garments. He wants to give us rings of diamonds and gold and silver, and that's okay. Don't judge in that way. If God gives it, don't turn it down. We are royalty. Live as a king or a queen with dominion over your passions of dominion over your mind, over your body, bringing the body under slavery and bondage to the Spirit of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the throne of God. 
every fault of vanity and pride, anxiety and fear, and all those things that wrestle against the Spirit of God. Bring it, conquer it, conquer it, put it down by commanding it, taking control of your thoughts. We can't help, we cannot help that a passing evil thought might come through our mind, a fear, anxiety, depression, sadness, sin, temptation. We can't help that we will be tempted with all these things, even as Christ was, but without sin. We can't help that the thought would come to our mind for a second, but we can react to it the right way or the wrong way. When that thought comes that is not pleasing to God, we need to cast it away from us if it's not pleasing to God. Amen. Take dominion over it, that temptation. Use that, that whole armor of God. Put on that helmet of salvation saying, I'm here to serve the Lord. I'm here to worship. I'm not here to feel sorry for myself. I'm not here to look at my flesh or to smell my flesh or to put my flesh down or to put myself down or to put my heart down. I'm not here to put myself in bondage. I'm here to be delivered. I'm here to worship the Lord, to hear his voice, to feel his spirit. I'm here to serve God, not myself. Amen. I'm here to serve the Lord. Every day I'm here to serve the Lord. This body is not mine. This life is not mine. I'm a living sacrifice. I'm laying down my whole life, surrendering everything for the Lord. Amen. No job, no money, no parent, no child, no person is greater than the Lord in my life. Look to the Lord, not to yourself. Amen. You know, I have long hair, long beard, and I hate them both with a passion, carnally and physically, but spiritually, it is my devotion unto the Lord. And therefore, I must, I must cherish it. I must, I, must, I must accept it and embrace it. If I was living my life for myself, my want and my will, I would have short hair and a short, trimmed, beautiful, handsome beard. But because I have crucified my will and am obeying his will rather than mine, then I must humble myself and have an ugly face and a bushy, untamed, wild beard. That's me and my covenant. It's not the same for every man. Not every man should have that. But there's a lesson in it for everyone. That we must bend to the will of the Lord. And I could spend all day long and every day if I wanted to, if I wanted to follow my will, I could be, oh my God, I hate this beard. This hair getting in my mouth, this hair so stringly and so gray. I hate this. I don't like this. It's uncomfortable. It's hot. 
is itchy, it's sweaty. I don't like it. I don't like it. This awful flesh. I could look at my toes and say, I hate it. And I could go on and on and on about the flesh if I am carnally minded. If I put my mind on the flesh, I am enemy against God and hostile toward God and cannot even serve the Lord because my mind is under bondage to the flesh. But I can make a decision. I can make a choice to change my my looking at my flesh and start looking up into the sky and say, Lord, I know you're there so much. Amen. I can look in the scripture and find the Lord. Amen. I can sit under the tree and listen to the birds and, and, and play with the kitty cat that comes out of the woods and, and all the different ways of observing nature and time and the universe and how all of that is the art of the Lord and glorify God in it and get my mind on the Lord. If I get my mind off myself first, stop worshiping myself through disgust. If we stop hating ourselves and start loving the Lord, stop wallowing around in the mud like a hog and get up and serve the Lord. Choose you this day of whom you will serve. Yourself and your fears and your worry and your flesh or something a whole lot greater, a whole lot more beautiful, with a sweet aroma, his beautiful eyes, his beautiful face, the hope and the faith that we do not see, but we know it's there. And yet I see it everywhere as I look. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Make a decision. If we are cursed, we curse ourselves. If we go to the lake of fire and perish, we kill ourselves. It is suicide. Amen. You determine your fate. The only thing God does is write it down and then bring the judgment to pass. But we determine our own fate. Even Paul said that if you judge yourself, that you should be judged by no one, that you should be judged by no man. God will not even have to judge us. If we judge ourselves, if we examine ourselves, every holy day is an opportunity to examine ourselves and to renew ourselves, to crucify and renew. Every holy day. Amen. And every morning, every night, all year long, is a fresh and new opportunity. Every morning that we wake up is a fresh opportunity. To say, it is sunrise, it's a new day, it's a new opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for the five minutes of sleep that I got, but now it's a new day. And I'm going to serve you. Amen. First thing on our mind when we wake up every morning, when we rise from the dead every morning, is a whole list of what we're thankful for. Thank you for that five minutes of sleep. Thank you for that one minute I didn't hurt. 
Thank you for that soft bed. Thank you for that hard floor. Thank you for that back seat of the car. Thank you for that dog house. Thank you for that little hole in the wall in the abandoned building. Thank you that the rats did not bite me last night. Thank you that the snake didn't bite me, and thank you that the building did not burn down. Thank you that the lightning did not hit me. Thank you that the river did not carry me away. Don't take anything for granted because this earth is full of things that can kill us at any moment. The roof could fall in. A meteor can strike you. It's happened. The lightning can strike, the meteor can strike, the car can strike, the train, the snake, the frostbite, the heat stroke, the hardened arteries. Anything can strike us at any moment, but every day that it don't happen, it's God's mercy. Thank you, Lord. I'm not in a wheelchair. Thank you, Lord. I'm not in a nursing home, that I'm not blind, that I'm not deaf, that I'm not mute, that I'm not lame. And if I am one of those, thank you, God, I'm not the rest of it, that I'm not a dead vegetable, that I'm not on life support. We need to consider that there are a lot of people in this world that are a whole lot more miserable and a whole lot more trouble than us, people that don't have nothing at all to eat, people that have to live on $10 a month on food. This is real. This is reality. This is real life. If we do look back in the past at all, it should only be to lift up God. That at one time I used to be miserable, but now God has delivered me. Amen. That one time the whole, whole only thing I had to eat at one time was mayonnaise on crackers. And that was the only thing in the whole house to eat. But now I can feast. I have so many snacks I can't count. I have multiple packs of sandwich meat and more than one loaf of bread and two bottles of mustard. God's blessings and provisions overflowing, and yet we're still griping. Other people are starving. And yes, it gets hard with sickness and with pain and temptation. It gets hard. It gets difficult. It's not an easy road. But it's a road worth traveling. I think I'll press a little harder. I think I'll walk a little faster and pray a little harder and cross that river because the race is almost won. We ain't got much farther to go. Now is not the time to turn back. It's time to move forward. In Romans 7, Paul struggled with sin. He beats himself up. He goes back and forth. What I want to do, I don't. And what I don't want to do, I do. But look at his final words in Romans 7 after beating himself up. He don't keep beating himself up in Romans 8, 9, and 10. No. He stops beating himself up. Why? How did he stop beating himself up? In verse 23, Romans 7, verse 23, but I see a different law 
and the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members, my body, my body parts. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? He's talking about his sin and how the body is a temptation. The flesh is a temptation to him. The physical things of this world is a temptation to him. Who would deliver him from being miserable? Verse 25, thanks be to Theos, through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, through the Lamb of God, through the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord. That's how. Through the Holy Ghost, that's how. So then, on the one hand, I myself with the mind, my mind am serving the law of Theos, but on the other hand, with my flesh, the law of sin. In other words, he's saying, I'm not yet attained. I'm not ready for the resurrection. I'm not yet perfect. But you know what? I'm still going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to press. I'm going to press. I'm going to get ready. Because that's what he says in Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say for those that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. No, it doesn't say that. For those that are in Christ Jesus. Let me baptized into Christ Jesus. Amen. And Christ Jesus has to come into you. Then he is in you, and then you are in him. And if that be true, if Christ be in you and you in him, if you are in unity instead of conflicting against one another, then there's no condemnation if you have not lost the Holy Ghost, if you are not rebellious, if you're not resisting, if you're not disobedient, then God does not condemn you, but rather he saves you and loves you and will speak gently to you and hold you by the hand and be gentle with you if you're not resisting. Amen. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set you free from that verdict of sin and death. He sets you free from the death penalty. He set you free from the death penalty. Therefore, you're no longer guilty, but rather you're justified by the blood of the Lamb. But you can only do that only if you walk in unity, in newness of life, in agreement, in one accord with the mind of Christ. How do I reach that? How do I get it? All you got to do is say, I do. I do, Lord. I accept. I surrender. I'm not going to follow my way. I'm not going to live in the past. I want to walk in newness of life. I want this, what he is talking about. I want what Pastor Tim is talking about. I want victory. I want to be more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I want to cast down the vain imaginations, everything that wages war against my mind. I want the victory. How do I get it? You just say, I do, Lord. I accept it. I embrace it. I believe and I commit. And I'm going to follow you. And I'm not going to be resistant. I'm going to serve you. I surrender. I'm not going to put the flesh first. I'm not going to put the sin first. Nothing is going to have dominion over me but you, Lord. You are my master, not my past. Not my ex-husband, 
Not my sickness, not my pain, not my fear, not my anxiety, not my temptation. But I'm going to serve the Lord with heart, mind, body, and soul. I'm going to seek the Lord of all of my mind, all of my heart, all of my body, all of my soul. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I am yours. Use me, Lord. Put your thoughts in me. Walk in me. Put your spirit in me, Lord. Please come to me, Lord. And I accept it, Lord. It is so. That if I ask you, Lord, to come to me, I know that you are not resistant, Lord. If I come to you, I know that your hand was already reached out first. You chose me first, Lord. Amen. You chose me first, Lord. Out of a long line of people. You could have chose somebody more muscular, more rich, more smart, more beautiful to play on your team. I could have been chosen last or not chosen at all. But you called me first. You called me to be a first fruit. You called me to be part of the kingdom, a foundation. Called me to be part of the structure of the kingdom of God. You called me to be a precious jewel in the temple of God. You called me to be the apple of your eye. You called me to be a shining star in the heavens. You called me to shine brightly and to testify of your glory. You called me to know the truth and to know the prophecies of which the entire world is ignorant of. Very few people have the knowledge and revelations that we have how special we are and how much God must love us and favor us over Esau. How he must be favoring us over and above the people next door in the church next door and our families. He favors us. We are his favorite child. You are among God's most favorite children of a special calling. We are a peculiar treasure to treasure to him. We are a precious, precious, brilliant stone. Life and breath and fire. We can, we can obtain, we can obtain newness of life and peace and joy that comes from the shepherd if we would look to the shepherd. Even his rod and even his staff, even his voice of anger can comfort us. When they crossed the Red Sea, it was that column of fire was like darkness to the Egyptians. But it was light 
to those that would embrace him as a deliverer rather than an enemy. We must walk in newness of life, of being willing to learn and grow and accept God's leading in truth and greater truth and deeper truth, not be resistant to learning more, not be resistant to the truth, not be resistant to where God moves us and leads us. And if God wants to move us, from one spot in the building to another spot, not resist it. Or if he wants to lead us from one point in our life to another point in our life, we should not resist it. Or if he wants to move us from one city to another city, we should not resist it. Amen. We have a future. And we must pursue the future, not the past. Look at Romans 8, verse 35. Romans 8, verse 35. Romans 8, verse 35. Brittany, what is the first word in that verse? Okay. Who will separate us? Who will? Who? Husband? Wife? Who will? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress? Distress, things that cause us to have anxiety or persecution, what people say about us or do, or famine or lack of clothing or pearl or sword, just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, through all these things, we overwhelmingly, not just a little bit, but we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. But I'm convinced, my mind is made up, that neither death nor life or angels or principalities or things present nor things to come, and we could add there even the past, nor powers or height, depth, or any other created thing. None of these things will be able to separate us from the love of Theos, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves us. How's that song go? God loves the world. Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. Amen. We need to just embrace that and believe it. For he loved the whole world. Both wicked and righteous. Even the wicked. God loves, and that's why he spanks them. That's why he chastises them. That's why he'll keep spanking them and keep spanking them. That's why there's two resurrections. He loves his creation. He's not willing for anyone to perish, 
but for all to have everlasting life. He loves all of his creation. His hand is stretched out all day long. All we got to do is reach back, believe, and commit, and obey. Heed and hearken to the voice of the Lord and not reject his tender voice. Then he won't have to shout. Amen. Let us walk in newness of life. This day is the last day of camping and feasting. Yesterday was actually the last great day, the eighth day of the feast. And that number eight is a symbolism for newness of life, a new beginning without end. If you look at the number eight, it loops around and it never stops. It is infinity. It is eternity. Seven days is seven of completeness. It is completed. It is done. It is finished. But then the eighth is eternity. It is beyond after it is completed. It is eternity. It is paradise. It is forever without end. And now that we're on to that, on to the future, past even the eighth now, we can now be living in that future. We can now be living in eternity. We can have eternal life right now. We can, have, we can be seated in heaven, according to the book of Ephesians. We can be seated in heaven spiritually, mentally, emotionally. We can have the kingdom now. The power of the resurrection is alive in us already. We're not going to be resurrected. We're already resurrected spiritually. Yes, our fleshly bodies will be resurrected, but we can already, already right now, receive eternal life and never die. Right now, we can receive that. We can walk in the kingdom, be seated in heaven right now, and have power over heaven and earth. If we would take it, seize it, and exercise the authority that God has given to us as spirit beings, as gods. We are gods. We can take dominion over every little thing, over everything, if we would take it. Stop complaining. Stop being a weakling and grow up to full maturity and full perfection and completeness. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. Amen. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that song goes. But let us make the right decision today and choose today whom you will serve. Amen. Praise the Lord for this message. And may it not go in vain, but accomplishes the purpose of which forfeit has been sent. For not just one, but for the whole family, and the whole kingdom, and the whole church. And the spirits have come, and the bride say, come. And the congregation say, come. Amen. Praise the Lord.
All this in Jesus' name. I'll see you next seventh day. We'll be packing up tomorrow. Very, 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 very busy day packing up tomorrow. Looks like the rain stopped for now. And I heard from Meekness that he did get his son. And they are enjoying the feast. And I heard from AJ as well. It was still noisy where he's at again. This year, noisy, but he is feeling strengthened. Praise the Lord. So AJ is feeling strengthened and maintenance has his son. Praise the Lord. It's a great day. The glass is not half empty, but it's half full. And not only is that glass half full, but I'm going to add more to it. Amen. I'm going to fill it up and make the most of it. Make the most of your day. Make the most of what time we got left before we have to finish packing up all the way. Make the most of it every day. Every day you wake up, you start praising the Lord. As soon as you wake up, thank you, Lord, for every little thing. Thank you, Lord, for the safety that nobody kidnapped me overnight. Because people were kidnapped last night. People were killed last night. Thank you, Lord. I was not killed last night. Thank you, Lord, I was not kidnapped. Thank you, Lord, nobody broke in my house. Because every one of those things happened last night to somebody. It's only by the grace of God it didn't happen to us. And that's the truth. And I'm not exaggerating. You know how many people died last night of cancer? You know how many people got raped last night? How many people got murdered? How many people's houses got broken into? How many people got mugged? How many people died in a car wreck last night? How many people received a diagnosis of death last night? How many people got divorced last night? How many people got thrown out in the streets last night with no place to live? How many people got frostbitten toes last night and froze to death? How many people starved to death yesterday and didn't even eat one bite all day long on the last great day? If you just wake up and take a breath, you are blessed. There's a song that says something like, I got shoes on my feet, roof over my head. Amen. How's, how else does that go, Brittany? How's that song go? You know that song? Huh? You don't know that one? Well, we have to find it, won't we? Amen. Praise the Lord. Be thankful. I'm thankful for my brothers and my sisters in Jesus Christ. See you next week. God bless. Amen.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.